Hey, just got through rocking it with Murph on Flagrant. That was a great show. I mean, man, if you want some fire, that's the show to be on. Yo, 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 drop it right there. You are not tuned in to Flagrant 2. Yo, what's going on? It's DJ Brainstorm. Yo, Black Pop, come on this thing. This has been Joy. Katie, this is Gabby. This is Talk It Out. Yo, what's good? It's your boy Q from Chopping Over Q and the Critical Dub Network. And you are tuned in to the Flavor Team. Jack. It's official, man. Now, here's your host. D-Buzz. Let's do it. What's going on? You know what? I'm not even going to do a sports show with this gentleman. I'm, I'm a, this is going to be a flagrant two joint. I know it's going to be dope. It's that time. Ladies and gentlemen, you are tuning in to the flagrant two with the big homie D-Murph, where I literally and I mean literally always got something to say, verbally or even non-verbally. Y'all ready? I know I'm ready. Let's do it. World, I could have started talking sports to a guy. Grew up in the Midwest. Grew up in Chicago. We 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 definitely had a lot of dope stories of dope athletes. Growing up as an athlete, this uh, gentleman is still active in sports. I just want to talk life, though. I want to talk life. Want to talk mentorship and just listening to someone that's been around know some things that I still don't know. But world, help me. Help me welcome Mr. Ed Rather on the flagrant two. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me, sir. No problem, no problem, no problem. So, like we said, like I said, growing up in the Midwest, if you can just give the the world just a background story of uh, your upbringing, well, I mean, it's the same story as most African-American males have. You grow up in a uh, low-income area. You go to school. You have fun with your friends. You grow up in a troubled area, but you navigate your way through. Uh, and the way you mostly navigate your way through is by using sports to occupy your time and keep you focused, you know. Um, took that from the middle school level, became one of their exceptional athletes, Went to high school, started football as a freshman, that type thing. You know, we all have that that story, how good we are. And uh, coupled that into a scholarship football for college and thought I was the world's greatest and put all my eggs in that one basket thinking this is going to be it. And then you get down to a college like Tennessee University and you find out that you are not the top dog you thought you were. Because now you're in a new fishbowl. Yeah. In your fishbowl, you were the top dog. But what people fail to explain to us is when we get to that next level, everybody there is an All-American right. or a second All-American. So the competition is different. So that didn't quite suit me being the number two, number three guy. So I went into the service, did 18 years, met my wife, had my kids explored the world, uh, went places I would have never gone as an individual from my neighborhood. Wouldn't have had the means. So, you know, I wanted to 
give back because I was still playing actively for the United States Army, but I wanted to give back to kids that were like me. But yet I wasn't of means, big money, you know. Mentoring, you know, sports, same thing that got me where I was, which is a productive citizen. I felt like, let me see if I can guide some kids in that direction. So I plopped myself in an economically challenged environment, went into the school system, took those kids that were, as we would say, rough around the edges. Right, right. Showed them the sport. And, and I, I did the basketball coaching thing, and I did the football coaching thing. But what I found out was our kids still were so mesmerized by the success and the money that came with those sports that they didn't focus on the messages I was trying to convey to them, you know? So they still fell into those pitfalls and those traps. So I switched it up. I went to the secondary sports, which was volleyball. You know, it's, it's a sport that we don't look at, even blink at. It's a girl's sport. No, it's a means to get to college. It's a means to get to the next level in your life without being distracted by money and fame. See what I mean? Oh, yeah. So a lot of kids started to latch onto it. They started to realize what I was talking about. I mean, we have a kid right now today that he um, came from the economically challenged area. Uh, went to college for the sport and now he's in the real estate you know uh, he's selling condos 2.5 million who would ever thought downtown Chicago you know what I mean uh, my own son he's getting ready to start coaching at the university level and he has his master's degree you know I mean those are the accomplishments I was trying to convey to the youth that I was speaking to get the college education get the job, the sports reward, the sports reward, well, that's a plus. That's a plus. Yes, sir. You see what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. Don't make that the catch-all. The prize is your education, a great job, a great family, boom. That's what those things are. And for, so, I mean, that's, that's me. And I appreciate that. And, and excuse me. And for you to say not only to give back, but to go back and give back to our community, our black youth, even to this day, we don't have people that typically goes back. Even when I was coming up, it was, man, maybe a handful of people who made it to even invest in us. And similar to you, that's part of the reason or a key reason of why I have these platforms so I can, like you said, man, get that education, get the knowledge, because later on down the road, you can use that. And don't forget what you use. Don't forget that knowledge that you use so you can share it and see other people, especially people of color, get to a certain level. And um, don't be afraid. People are going to say whatever. Oh, man, why would you go back to the hood? Oh man, you know, look, look, look at their circumstances. It can't get it, it, whatever. I know you've heard the story. So, what was it? Not only obviously because you know you 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 grew up in 
in in the area that had low income. But why did you come back though, personally? I mean, personally, I still have relatives in that environment. Mm. You know, seriously. I mean, <laughs> just because here's a, a very easy thing to forget because we slip away from our family. Not like when Big Mama and those days were coming up. You know, everybody has a Big Mama. Everybody has Auntie T. You know, we don't do family reunions like we used to, so Man. we slip away from our people. Man. You know, so it's easy to forget about your cousin Mike and your your cousin uh, Judy and you totally forget because you have one year becomes two two year becomes five five becomes ten and let, you don't forget who they are you guys were close cousins mm. you know so I kept in touch with mine as much as I could but I knew they were there and I knew they were going through what I was going through or worse and I'm trying to provide a vehicle to help them to get to that next level you know, and just just get out. You get what I'm saying? You know the movie. Get out. <laughs> it's not just about getting out from them. It's getting out from us. Mm. See, it's get out is just get out. Get to where your safe place is. That's that's you know. I, and here's the thing: I want to make sure I make very clear too, because a lot of people. This is why they don't come back. They don't come back because they don't feel that they've achieved enough to go back and help somebody else whereas i you know i told my my son you know he he wound up getting a dui he felt hopeless and all this i'm like but bro you have a message to those kids who are in that boat you're in yeah so they don't fall into that trap you know give them that warning that message so that you've helped somebody you don't have to be a million dollar man to help somebody Wow, that's good. That's powerful, man. And, and it's interesting because, like, I look at, like myself, I grew up in Gary, Indiana, played ball in Texas, now have my family and live in Texas. So I'm speaking for people similar to me, like, yo, Mr. Ed, I go back, but I can't stay. But some people have considered or say, oh, well, Murph, you – you know, what's up? You, you big and better than us or what? It's not the point. But I do give back. I do go often uh, to the house at least once, you know, a year to spend time with my family and to go back to, you know, my high school and things like that. But for some people, that might not be good enough. So some people might just, in general, Mr. Ed say, you know what? If they're not appreciative of my time now, what do they want from me? I'm not going to do no more. They, they didn't appreciate the small things and why go back to the family or why even go back to where I grew up well this, I don't do it I'm going to keep it real simple for you and your audience I don't do it for them I do it for me mm. <laughs> see God didn't put this on them he put this on me so when they start the naysay oh you think you better well I hope I am because I'm trying to do better and help other people do better. So if that's the effect that I'm having on you, then it's, it's, it's a good thing. If you like this, then be this. It's simple. If you don't like this, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to stop doing what I'm doing. 
We got Mr. Ed in the building, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. Ed holding it down, man, holding it down. I told y'all, man, I got, I got somebody that's uh, speaking to me and through me. You know what I mean? And um, How was the military for you from coming from a sports background to now a different arena in the military? Well... Let me, let me start with my basic training error. The drill sergeant said it, and they said it all the time when we came in. They made me a platoon guy. And I, I had the distinct honor of being a platoon guy and a squad leader at the same time, which was unheard of. But they said if anybody could handle it, it'd be an individual from New York, Chicago, Philly, one of those cities, inner cities, you know, because we grew up tough. Right, right. And, right. um, when I got back from Desert Storm, somebody asked me, you know, do you have PTSD? And I'm like, PTSD? Uh, let me be frank with you. I had PTSD before I even went in the Army. Every black man in America got PTSD. Wow. You, I mean, I, they're talking about seeing people die and death. I saw that by the time I was 10 years old. Come on. What are you talking about? I saw people beat in the street as we're seeing today. Back then, I mean, I was born in 63. What's going on in 63? That's the king of assassination. You yeah, see what I'm saying? Yeah, Dr. King died. So, bro, I've been in this my whole life. So PTSD, start with before I came here. But as far as the transition, it, for me, it was smooth because the army wasn't a fallback. It was a plan. I I listened to my, my stepdad talk about how he was in the service and what it did for him. He didn't like it, just so you know. But I listened to the, the components of what he was saying about a place to live, three square meals in a cot, you know, pay. Oh, okay, I can use all those things to get independent. Now, how do I use it? Yeah. So I sat down I looked at it, I plotted my course, and then I went to action. So, I went in, I saved my money, and watch this. I fixed my credit, oh. <laughs> as all of us have to do, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I fixed my credit, it gave me um, a big shoulder to lean on with, with Uncle Sam, because of all the programs that most people are unaware of, because they don't publicize them, you got to go look for them. So with up. my student loans, with my student loans, I was probably about 65K in debt. Mm. I've served one year, and I continued my education through the military. And after that one year, Uncle Sam had a loan repayment program paid every dime of it off with no cost to me. Wow. Huh? Wow. <laughs> so <laughs> the military was great for me. Again, it was planned. It wasn't something I jumped off on. It, it was planned. So, you know, I, I continued going to college, went to Maryland University, got my paperwork through them, um, got trained for a few jobs, different occupational fields. Um, 
met my wife, had my kids there. Um, I mean, I, I can't say, and let me say this, hold on a second. My oldest son was complications in birth. I'm a young E4, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm making a, about 25000 a year, you know? Um, my son was born, and then one hour after he was born, he was rushed to intensive care in the German University's research center. Mm. He was in intensive care for 35 days. Let me tell you what intensive care bill looked like for 35 days. $840,000. Mm. Man, I dropped to my knees. You, you want to see somebody's knees buckle and just fall like, oh my yes. God. I knew I'd be working for the rest of my life, but Uncle Sam had a plan. Because God had a plan. Mm. So I went to my first sergeant, and he started laughing, and he sent me to an individual. And that individual was laughing. I said, man, if one more person laughs at me, I'm going to go off. <laughs> right. I'm going to go off. Yeah. You know? So she sent me to the cashier. I take this $840,000 bill to the cashier, and... uh she smirked a little bit. She went back, filled out some paperwork, came back, handed me a slip and says, go to the next window and pay this amount. And I said, okay, so that's my monthly amount, right? And so then she started laughing. I'm like, what is funny? She says, that's all you're going to need to pay. I said, so this is for the month. No, that's forever. I said, wait a minute. So this, if I pay this, I don't owe anything else. She said, yes. I said, can you give me one that's stamped paid in full, please? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and that wasn't the end of it. You know, he had another episode that cost us another 400-something thousand, but I was a pro at that point. Mm. Uncle Sam took care of that. You know, so it's been good for me and my family. And I, I I'm going to say this. I promote kids into the military. And a lot of African-Americans don't like that. But let me say this to you. Not everyone is a scholar. Not everyone is ready. Everyone should go to college and get a degree. But not every one of us, and I mean the world, not just African-Americans, mm -hmm. Caucasian, Asians, Hispanics, all of us are not ready for college at the same time. Yes, sir. Some of us need to experience some more life. Some of us need to work and earn that money so we're not behind the wheel. Some of us need to just uh, be independent first so we know how to fuck. Do you know in college, they don't talk to your parents once you step across the college threshold? Yes, sir. That's correct. Okay. So now you've got kids making multi-million dollar decisions that have never had a checking account that have never made a decision in their life. You, you get what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And these decisions that they make are reputable. They, they will crush you forever. How many kids are behind their, their bad credit stems from student loans? Yes, sir. See, so that's why I recommend college trade school, trade programs, and the military. 
I have kids that the kids that I've sent to the military, they were only supposed to stay for four years. I have a plan. I'm going to keep this short, but I have a plan that if you go in the military for four years and then you're going to go to college for four years, that's eight years of your life that you're going to absorb. But after the eight years, you have $150,000, your bachelor's or master's or doctorate degree, job assurity, job security, and your first home and a car paid for. All before you're 27. You said paid for, car and house. The car, the house will be five years paid for. The car will be paid for. And new. And new. And if you can't get new, it'll be like new. I promise you. So a lot of people don't know how to work the system. They know how to work that public aid system. But see, this system requires you to be active. You have to go to the military. And they're going to force you to learn a job. Hmm, Look at that. When you get out of the military, you're going to be forced to go to school and get your degree. They're going to pay you to go to school to get your degree. Isn't that crazy? Gotta be. And now you got your own house. You got to be active. You got to be engaged, man. You know? I mean, they could make more money this way than any other way if they just focus. And then it's forever because that degree, I tell my sons this all the time, as long as you're not a doctor, a lawyer, where you can get disbarred or malpractice and lose your license. Lose your license. Watch this. You could be in any profession and get hooked on drugs, go to rehab and recover and put that degree to use again. Yeah. Okay. So that degree is forever. So focus, focus for the, was that 20 years of education you have to go through from first grade Mm -hmm. to college? Focus for those 20 years. Get that master's degree and you are the man or woman. Hey, world. Did did I tell y'all, now you see why I did not want to talk sports mainly. Mr. Ed is giving out the game. Gotta be active. But for, for 20 years, 20 plus years, then that's not including with the military. So from college to military, focus even stronger for those eight years. Because you're right, though. I can hear that listener like, well, Murph, I didn't have to go to school to make my six figures. I didn't have to go to the military to be able to do this. I mean, look at jobs. You got a lot of these guys with college dropouts that make these millions. You know, I mean, I'm going to go to the most famous genius and Nobel Prize winners of all time. Albert Einstein did not go to school. Mm-hmm. See, they don't publicize that. Come on. Albert Einstein was kicked out of school because he was a behavioral problem. Wait a minute. That sounds like us. <laughs> you know, he was so smart that he'd get idle and when he got idle, he got into mischief. See what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Because the work they were giving him was too easy. So now it's like putting a eighth grader in kindergarten. 
they're going to get into trouble because they're bored with what you're giving them. So from him, you launched to Abraham Lincoln, self-taught, and he was a lawyer. Mm. And he was a lawyer. You know, you can go to um, Frederick Douglass, self-taught, self-taught. I don't know how else to explain this. If the books are on the shelf, if you read them and put that knowledge in your head, the only difference is, and this is just my opinion, I don't want to mess other people up, but degrees, in my opinion, were only placed there as a roadblock to African-Americans to achieving success. Because think about this. We could not read or write because we weren't allowed to read or write. So if you couldn't read or write, how are you going to open a book and get a degree? True. Yeah, that's what I thought. And, and they have that saying, I'm going to add to it, if you if you want to keep it from a black man, put it in a book or put it in writing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, yeah, there was a reason for that. Yeah, yeah. Because we couldn't read or write. Yeah, yeah. That was true. It wasn't just, I mean, it, it, it's, it's festered to where it's laughable now because we have been taught to read or write. But it's been so ingrained in us, we don't want to, that we don't. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yes, and that's a large percentage of us. That is a large percentage of us. One thing I, I, I want to add, Mr. Ed, is the ones like yourself or the, the, the people that's educated, especially people of color, brown, minorities that's educated, for some reason they let the system water them down or water it down where you shouldn't be this smart, you shouldn't be educated. Like, even to this day, that's what's going on. It's a threat. So for me to feel, to make you feel like, hey, um, I'm cool, right? I, I, let me let me dumb me it down some or tone it down. It, 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 it's a sad thing that I'm still seeing to this day, Mister Ed. I mean, but here's the thing: it's overall, you know, that's not just us; that's everyone. Colleges aren't giving you what you pay for. Gotcha. You know, that's the, that's the shame of it all. They are, I mean, just look at how they were reeling through this COVID thing. Um, oh, we got to hurry up and fight. We don't want to give any money back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, heaven forbid, we, we can't get money back. Oh, no. <laughs> it's a money grab. It, it, it always has been. When you can... When you can go to school down south for 15000 in-state tuition and you go to school up north and it's 30000 and most of those have moved, most of those have moved to to um, being private institutions. Yep. yep. You know, so that's what I know. It's all about the money. And that's part of the reason, just to transition of sports a little bit why HBCUs when I was coming up really wasn't that popular compared to now 
because right. of the funding. Mainly it was the money. It was the funding. Correct. You got to ask yourself, though, <laughs> why aren't the HBCUs funded like other universities? Why, why, why? You know, I see that it's happening now, and I, I love it. And a lot of these star athletes are now trying to go to HBCUs. But I say this, Ice Cube showed us the way. And I'm hoping people wake up to it. Why are we participating in everyone else's events instead of our own and promoting our own events? Okay, meaning, let me give you a good example. First and foremost, I don't really get into the football, basketball uh sending kids to college and pros like that anymore. Uh, even myself, I, I woke up. Um, that is nothing more than another form of slavery. And, and let me show you how deep it is. When we were slaves, they put us on an auction block. They checked our teeth. They said, this is a fine buck right here. Look at these muscles. Look at that stamina. He could carry this and he could do this and he could do that. Well, what do you think a college combine is yes, when they sir. test your 40, test your 100, test your vertical? He can bench press this much. What do you think they're doing? See what I mean? And you say, well, but I'm not bought and paid for. Well, you are because they give you a check. <laughs> they just don't give it to the white man. Now they give it to you. And you say, well, at least I get the money. But did you get the financial education that goes with that money come on because they can take it from you in a drop of a hat yes sir and replace you of a drop of a hat and in a minute look i found out about that part when michael jordan you remember back when michael jordan the press was giving him such a rant about oh he thinks he did well we heard you bossy we heard you this so he said you know what i don't even want to talk to you guys so yep. he stopped going to the press conference. Yep. <laughs> Michael yes. Jordan was the first player I ever heard of got fined ten thousand dollars for not wanting to talk to the press. Mm -hmm. I was like, wait a minute, he has to talk to the press. And that's when I found out they have to go to card signings, ball signings, all this stuff is done under the NBA logo, the owners commission. See what I mean? Yes, sir. So, wait a minute. The owners control all that? Then they control the players. They can make players not play. Look at Colin Kaepernick. I hate to get to him, but I have to. He kneeled some years ago. Yeah. Blackballed. Yeah. Everybody thought it was wrong. Yeah. But now Floyd dies. All of a sudden, we see, Colin. We see what you're saying. And, and then you've got... The commissioner going, oh, yeah, he's a great guy. Someone should give him a job. And he was the same guy that said he shouldn't play again. Anyway. See what I'm saying? So all I'm telling you is we can't get into these sports where they control everything. Let's build our own brand, which are the HBCUs. Let's make our college. Here's what would happen. Here's what would happen. Yes, sir. We're part of NCAA. We would win all the bowls. That's number one. <laughs> we would win all the NCAA Final Four. It would be 
the, the Sweet 16 would be all HBCUs. Mm-hmm. I like that. I all like the track that. competition. Wipe them out. Anything with sports on it, we're totally wiping them out. And then on top of that, watch me now. I'm going to flip the script. We're going to also win all the academic awards because when you look at these, there's an a, a eight-year-old just graduated with his master's degree from college. Come on. He's black. Yes, There's a young lady graduated at 14 with her master's degree. She's black. They just don't put us out there like that. It's a lot of us who are under the age that they've prescribed for college students that have graduated from college. What about that? See, we when you look at their academic prowess and their statistics, those include us but take us away from those statistics and put us with the HBCU statistics and watch how it almost comes out even or we go ahead. So it wouldn't just be on the sports the sports arena that we would dominate. We would dominate across the board, I promise you. Mr. A. But we got to stay home to do that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's, that's, that's good stuff, man. And, and you have a podcast. Like for those listeners out there, like man, this, hey Murph, this was Murph. You did your thing on this one, now, Mr. Ed holding it down. How? What? What's the name of your podcast? And just tell us a little bit about it. Well, the podcast—it's my son's creation, and, and I'm a part of the crew, as we call ourselves, <laughs> the crew. Yes, you know, <laughs> um, it's called Motivate with the number eight. So, motive eight. Gotcha. That way, with the course, it's the fist up, red, white, and blue. And motivate is throughout the letters are spelled throughout the fist. Okay. Um, the the podcast came about because when the civil unrest started, everyone looked at the community. But in the sport of volleyball, which is what we coach, um, think about this. You have a sport that's predominantly white. It's not a white sport. It's a predominantly white sport. It's a difference. It's a difference, yes, sir. Okay. Um, I'm going to come back to why I said it that way later. But now you have black coaches, you have black players, and we wanted to touch on what they go through in this sport just so that people have a place in this sport okay um they have to endure a lot because you could imagine being the only black that some of these kids would see what black players would go through what black coaches would go through i am probably one at least in illinois black owners of a men's and women's volleyball club and I catch it but I have to as anything else we do we can't be as good as we have to be better we have to know the rules of engagement we have to know how they apply you know that type of thing Um, so the podcast basically has seven African American coaches that discuss issues involved with the sport and what we go through and how we can change it. And we took a spinoff from 
uncomfortable conversation with a black man. And we invite these white coaches in and they want to know how they can be better. What can they do? And one had a great question last week. How can I help without being the center of the help? So it seems like I'm trying to be the great white hope because that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to help. Hmm. And, and, And you know, simple enough, you have to get some people around you that are of color and they have to assist you. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And the biggest thing that I left him with was to one, educate yourself and experience what you're talking about before you start talking about it. Two, know the audience in which you're talking to. Because let's, let's think about this. Talking to wealthy black businessmen versus hood brothers is two different genres. You you, you get what I'm saying? You you are not going to talk the same language and both understand the message you're transmitting. It's not going to happen. And then three, most importantly, be genuine. He says, well, I I did this and and they perceived it like that. Yeah, but you were hesitant. You were asking permission. You're doing what I tell you early on your podcast. I don't do this for them. (laughs) Yes, sir. I do this for me. Yes, sir. So if you're doing this because you want all mankind to be equal, what do you care if somebody comes out of pocket and doesn't like what you're doing? You did it to be genuine, but before you did it, you have to take those other two steps, and you shouldn't have that offensive thing because you did your education first on your audience and on the thing that you're going to discuss or do. You know, it's like, I'll give you an example, extreme example. You want to put on a play to make money to support BLM. But then you come out there in blackface mm-hmm. doing some Al Jolson jokes. Yeah. Come on now. Yeah. You know you're going to be a riot up in there, right? Yeah. 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 See, do your homework. But back to my point of sports, why I said it was a predominantly white sport versus a white sport. And I'm going to keep it 100. There's a sport made that if African-Americans put their mind to it, we don't dominate. You look at every sport that African-Americans played that were white sports, and I'm going to name a few. We changed the game. It has evolved. Let's start with tennis. Arthur Ashe did it. He changed the men's game a little bit. Yes, sir. Venus and Serena followed suit. They completely changed the women's game (laughs) to where those girls had to get in the weight room and start lifting weights. And now, hey, look, look. Everybody used to say, look at them grunting and all that grunting and stuff. Yeah, man. And now you look at all of them grunting now. White, black, Chinese, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now you look at golf. Tiger Woods popped that off, changed the game. Now everybody's trying to drive 375, 400. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. Look at ice skating. Shawnee Davis. Yeah, man. Dominique Dawes. Simone Biles. Gabby Douglas. Um, I cannot think of the young lady's name, and I hate that. But she just won the Olympic ice skating after only learning how to ice skate 18 months ago. 
Isn't that something? Yes, sir. She she set a record every time she skated. Isn't that crazy? Yes, sir. Because she got better each and every time, and that's what we do. So I don't ever want to say, I try not to say white sport, Asian sport. It's a sport, and it's a sport dominated by, see, I don't want exclusion. I want inclusion. I want everyone to feel they can participate in the sport, but just know we're going to be the ones to win it. Because if they don't participate, then it just becomes a black sport. You get what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. And it's funny because they never consider football and basketball a black sport. But I want you to look out there <laughs> in the football lineup and tell me if you removed, this is a serious question, if you removed all the blacks from football and basketball, how many people or what percentage would be left of each sport as far as players? We've talked about that on Why Not Sports. And yeah, very little, man. Yeah. So why are we not? Watch it now. This is why I said Ice Cube showed us the way. Why are we not in our own leagues? See, a lot of people miss this. I was born in this era. The young kids don't know about it. You, you, you should know. You remember Dr. J? Absolutely. Okay, Dr. J played in ABA. Yeah, yes, sir. But did you know Dr. J was the last great player from the ABA? And that when they signed Dr. J, they all but killed the ABA, which was, you know, the NBA coming to birth, which was controlled by the owners. See what I mean? And he promised for these big salaries. And now Adidas and Converse were their big signings too back then. Converse being number one. But along came a fella, and NBA was on its way out, make no mistake. Even though they had Larry Bird and Magic, they were on their way out. (laughs) And this is why I consider this next fella to be the greatest basketball player to have ever lived not because Kareem Abdul-Jabbar um, did all these great things or did less great things, but because he had been in the league and he couldn't save the league. You yeah. get what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. Magic Johnson, same thing. But this guy saved the league. And I don't think a lot of the younger kids understand that part. Michael Jordan. The GOAT. <laughs> when Michael Jordan came in, I could get a bull seat the year before he came in at Chicago Stadium for $12, almost <laughs> on the floor. Huh? Yes, sir. Almost on the floor. <laughs> so now that same $12 seat is over $500. Huh. Now they say, well, that's because of inflation. No, 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 no. Let me show you. So I got smart as a kid. I would go to Indiana. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and watch the Pacers. Who, who who were terrible, so you could get that seat for $12, too. You know what I mean? <laughs> but once Michael Jordan was coming to town, they filled the stadium. Yeah, man. Same thing in, in Milwaukee. I would go that way. But when Michael Jordan was in town, they filled the stadium. And then I found out that no matter where he went. Tickets went up. Tickets were sold out. Prices went up, yes, sir. And sold out. <laughs> yes. And then when the Bulls started their 
championship oh, run. Oh, man, I can only imagine. The, the, the Chicago was the first stadium to do this. And watch you say, oh, wow. I mean, think about that. Because they played their championship on the road at Detroit, they put it on the big screen at the stadium and still charged to get in. What? <laughs> yes. All stadiums do that now. Yeah, they when you're that. playing home and yeah. away games, yep, yep, yep. they don't they don't just charge you on the home game. They even have tickets for their away games on the big TV. See? So Michael Jordan was so impactful, and we won't go back to this. Stacey Hartman got a million dollars a year because of Michael Jordan's. They weren't going to let another rookie come in that they didn't pay for. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yes, sir. So, I mean, we just need to play for ourselves. HBCU's got to come up. We got to come up. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Mr. Ed, Mr. Ed, Mr. Ed. Uh, now, this was dope, man. I, I, I want to give the listeners – Enough, because right now they full. They full, Mister Ed. They, they for real. They full. They like wow. The jumbotron started back in the Chicago, Murph. Hey y'all, if y'all don't yeah. think it's y'all, I like to have different guests to help explain, especially in this case, the history of sports growing up in the Midwest. Because, like you said, as of recent, oh man, they playing the jump. They playing the game on the jumbotron, even though their team is away. They get to let the people. You know, come to the home stadium or the arena, but the Bulls, like you said, been doing that. Yeah, but people wouldn't listen. Oh, Murph, what you talking about? You being biased? No, I'm being. This is true because, like you said, the best seat in town is when Michael Jeffrey Jordan and the Bulls come into your town. Yep. Yep. With the worst that record. Worst record With, in the league. It didn't even matter. You was gonna get look. Boston knew they had the worst record too, Murph. And check it out. <laughs> Michael lit him up for 64, right? <laughs> With the worst record. Come on. No no sympathy, no saying. mercy. And that's another None. thing. I don't care if you exhibition. I don't care if you're the worst team in the league. I'm still about to put up 40, 50, 60 points on you. That's the goal. That's right. That makes me smile. Um, yeah. Mr. Ed, where can the, the listeners find the podcast as well and find you if they have any questions or might want you to be on their platform? Well, you know, I don't have, I have to say, uh, because I'm on the road right now, I don't have the information off the top of my head okay. to get that information formed. But if they want to email me um, at uh, vortexldr at gmail.com I can get that link to them okay. uh, right now I don't have it but I know you can look us up uh, I know it's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram it's on all the handles gotcha. uh, but like I say my son is the creator of that mission uh, I like my kids to be and as the other raise my kids to be employers not employees Come on. That, that, that's what I would like our people to really hear let's support black owned business and I know we're bad don't get me wrong. You know, we always complain about black-owned business. But at the same time, you complain about the white-owned business, but you keep going back to them. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know. And, and, and you got to remember, they've had hundreds of years of experience to deal with it yeah. and learn how to do business. Our people have probably had, okay, so since 1950. Now, let's go 1970s. 
because when we were having business in the 50, it was business that they allowed us to have. You get what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Uh, but in the 1970s, we had businesses of our own that we conducted, we advertised, but we're young in the world of business and how to conduct business. Some of us get it, some of us don't, but just be nice and complain nicely as a form of suggestion to improve their business. Not, you know what I'm getting ready to say, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But yeah, I'm not trying to be bootleg with, with the address and everything. It's just, we do this because we do this. We don't do this just, to, you know. Um, but if you reach out to me at Vortex LDR, which is abbreviated leader, uh, at gmail.com, I can hook them up. Hook them up. Hey, y'all, Mr. Yeah. Ed, it's is, 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 is a great thing. Also, definitely got to give a shout out to uh, Miss Christina for uh, allowing me to be able to rock with you in the lead. So I definitely want to give her a shout out for, for, for having you on this platform and just encouraging me and keeping me motivated to do this for me, man, and to start a platform from the bottom and gain the, the traction that, that I'm doing. And like you say, I follow Ice Cube, follow some other greats that's out there that's paving a way for us to create our own but also share and bring as many people along as we can without you know with with reason without setting us up for failure bankruptcy obviously like you know the mc hammers of the world and, and, and other entertainers that didn't do it the right way but intent was on point oh. right i mean you know hammer one of my favorites man no matter how you look at it he still showed a black man that he can get out there and make millions. Yes, sir. Yep. Because remember what they did to him. Yeah. When I say they, I mean us. Yeah. The rap industry, they dogged him for being a sellout. Remember yeah. that? Oh man, I remember. But now they all selling out now. What's wrong? Huh. come on. You know they mm. they got that one. They somebody is always in the scapegoat, Mister Ed. Regardless. <laughs> There's always one escape goal for everything. Uh, this person, all right, for this. Okay, this person is always that one escape goal to where it's like, oh man. But they don't look at it like you said. But that's why. Hey, I'm Snoop, who's the who's the sellout though? Let, let me try this right quick. And then Murph, check it out. Who's the sellout? MC Hammer with Pepsi, right? Yeah. Or Snoop Dogg with Martha Stewart. <laughs> 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 I just had to lay that out there, man. I just had to lay that out there. Mr. Ed is, is like I told y'all, I had to have him on. I couldn't talk sports mainly because this is what I needed for myself. This is what I believe you as a listener and uh, the, the Flagrant 2 crew, the audience, will benefit from. It's a lot of things out there that just, just be active. This, the, if yeah. you work it right. The recap I got from this show and from talking with you, you work it right, you can you can work wonders from having almost a million dollar bill, medical bills, from two mm -hmm. appointments or, 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 or two different uh, uh, moments, got down to, like you said, a one-time fee, that's it? No monthly fee? Like, boom. Man. Uh, Mr. Ed, I'm listening. 
Man. Eight years from college to military, five years pay off your house or damn near pay it off and have a paid off car. Yeah. And 140K in your bank account. Don't forget that. That's straight principle. That's straight principle. Mr. Ed, Ed, I'm listening. Oh, man. I I hope. I know. It's not not on my hope. I know. It's one person that might have been on the fence with military and or just creating their own. Whether you listen to me, Murph, you still young, you, you you still ain't, you know, don't really earn your stripes in life. Okay, but Mr. Ed, he told you when he grew up. He told you how oh, he yeah. grew up. He told yeah. you what he's doing now. So if you don't listen to me, listen to Mr. Ed. And that's all I got, man. I, I'm done. I, I, that's it. Because <laughs> I, I, like you, man, we got things to do. But overall, I definitely want to, again, thank you for blessing the platform. Make sure y'all go check. Oh, it was a pleasure, man. It was a pleasure. <laughs> I appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Appreciate it, man. And make sure y'all go check them out, man. Dope, dope podcast too, man. Like say, motivate, motivate, motivate. Eight, the number yes. eight. Motive eight. Check it out. Check it out. Hit them up too. Have any questions? Want them to feature on your show? Or just hit them up on in more details. Maybe he can provide some additional resources. But my point is, check Mr. Ed out. And for the first time listeners, thank you for tuning in. For the avid listeners, what up? One thing about the flagrant too, Mr. Ed, and I just again, I'm very thankful for you, is that each and every week, it's a different guest and it's an open forum. Where we just gonna we just gonna shoot the breeze, so we just gonna talk, man, and that's one of the things that the listeners have uh, have loved this platform because it's it's a different style of show each and every week. So with you knocking it out the park, <laughs> it's like Murph. How do you do different men, women of all ages, all colors, all walks of life, still finding ways to spend time with me and, and, and give us dope content, man. So thank you, thank you, thank you. You can find the show on most platforms. And if there's not a platform, y'all know what to do. Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Murph. I'm out, y'all. We love y'all. And y'all already know how I close the show. Don't lose yourself with life problems. Stay strong and fight the good fight. It's a lot going on, day in and day out. Man, it's a grind. Don't lose the vision. Fight the good fight. Murph, you did it again. Setting trends like you wanted to win. Fighting a good fight, sick of the sins. Connecting dots now with all the pins. We just trying to be good men. Adore my wife and I love my kids. I never let them down, never let them frown. Never let a clown take a crown. Hit me because of brown, that's okay. I got the blood of a king. Saw it in the dream, ain't all with a scene. Try to turn us to fiends. We drown in the streams while we chasing that dream. It's all about the dollar bill, y'all. And stop chasing that thrill, y'all. These beliefs trying to kill y'all. I'm just here trying to heal y'all. So listen as we work, dropping them gems now, rocking with D-Murph. Tuning in as we get it in, so melanin, being better men, we so adamant. About the culture, sick of these vultures. We in the game now, watch how we coach ya. Keep your guns in the holster. Love is life and that's how we approach ya. Huh?